This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Brought to you by Scott's. And a good morning from the sous chef of the garden, yours truly, Frank Proctor. And I'm delighted to be here sharing the studio once again with my good buddy, Charlie Dobbin. Hey, How are you this morning? I'm well, Frank, and yourself? Good. David Gaston looks in fine form, our producer. Fine fettle, I think they fine call that. Fine fettle, yes. <laughs> Yes, fit as a fiddle, tight as a drum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, it's a very sunny, sunny day again. It yeah, it's going to be a stinker, I think, you know, really. I think so. And you know what I heard on the Weather Network this morning? We have only had 10 millimeters of rain since June 21st. Wow. And the average that's... is 55 millimeters. Wow, wow. So things are getting crispy out there. Droughtish. Dr- right. So the main thing is trees. Remember to water your trees. It goes without saying we water our vegetables because we're not going to get anything yeah. if we don't. But the trees might look fine, but it's getting pretty dry. Funny, Di and I were out for a drive around the Henley Regatta area mm-hmm. in, in St. Catharines, and we passed a place where a whole bunch of evergreens look, you know, going brown, going brown. I said, uh-oh. They haven't been watering. She <laughs> says, you're learning some stuff, aren't you? Oh, oh, yeah. Not only that, you're noticing some stuff, yeah. which well, that's is it, good. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. But I, I knew that, hey, they just didn't, it looked like fairly new plantings, uh, you know, so yeah. they just didn't really water enough. And that's actually a really good point. Any new waterings need to be TLC'd, watered, yeah. maintained, coddled the first year, no matter what. And this year, with no rain, really, really Absolutely. important. Stay on the watering. And don't forget the sunscreen. The UV index is going to be shooting up there today. Not for the plants, though. No. Just no, you. No, just you. <laughs> the gardener. I'm concerned about the gardener. Oh, right. You take care of the plants, I'll take care of the folks. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> and our phone number, yes. I better get those on the air here, huh? 416-360-0740. That's for Toronto area listeners. Then anywhere else in the province, it is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And as is my want, as you like to say. As is your want. I, will, I have a few things to share with you. One is mentioning sunscreen makes me think of what's on today. Uh, right in Dundas Square, so right at yeah. the corner of Young and Dundas, from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. is the Live Green Toronto Festival. If you're going to that, put on your sunscreen because mm-hmm. it's going to be intense. Uh, but it's a very big event. It's Toronto's largest outdoor green festival. It brings together hundreds of green products and services. So there's a lot of exhibitors, yep. vendors, live music, buskers, a kid zone, and more. So it's quite fun. It's obviously open to the public. Uh, check out the latest and greatest in green products uh, right there at Young and Dundas Square all day today wearing sunscreen. 
Uh, just a heads up for those of you that love to shop organic when it comes to the farmer's markets, the Toronto Botanical Garden is hosting an organic farmer's market every Thursday from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. Of course, Toronto Botanical Gardens is located right at the corner of Lawrence and Leslie, just a 10-minute bus ride from the Eglinton subway station. But that's kind of a neat thing. They've uh, been able to... That's the same night they do their music. So oh, right, yeah. So it's a little combination Exactly. There. So there's mm-hmm. a, a farmer's market where you can pick up cool stuff to take home, listen to the latest in music. I think it's Justin Rutledge coming this Thursday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a happen-in place. Buy some nice organic stuff from the, from the cafe there and have a bite to eat. So Thursday nights, it's all happening at TBG. Um, this weekend, the North American Lily Surprise. <clears throat> Start that again. <laughs> the North American <laughs> Lily Society presents its 64th annual International Lily Show. It's on this weekend at the Royal Botanical Gardens. All day today until 5, tomorrow from 10 until 4. You can view thousands of lilies on display for cut stem competitions. There's a lily art show in the mezzanine which is showcasing mm-hmm. local artists, and in Hendry Park, discover the newly renovated Lily Collection, yeah. which then segues into what else is going on at RBG right now, Royal Botanical Gardens. We're going to learn more about what's going on later in the show when we bring Jody Vander, Vander Hayden on the show. Jody is a really interesting woman. Her job is Plant Documentation Coordinator for the Royal Botanical Gardens, and she's going to give us a whole scoop on sort of what's going on with emphasis on the Veggie Village installation, which is very important. I was thinking of you and your love of garden clubs and the horticultural societies and so forth this past week in particular, Mm -hmm. listening to Mayor Ron Ford talking about, hey, the cutbacks that have to go on, da-da-da-da. What about, um, say, in a certain park that's maybe uh, one of the horticultural clubs could take you know, that as their project, would that be a possibility at that's, all? I think that's what they're hoping. They're hoping yeah. that some, some um, collaborative um, associations can be made. Typically, horticultural associations do volunteer work within their community. Yeah. Usually, you don't see them working in the public parks because of union labor issues. Yeah, yeah. What you do see is the Hort Societies supporting, planting, weeding, maintaining mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hospital gardens, maybe even library or community center, depending Mm -hmm. on the municipality, Um, might even be like an entrance garden to a town where it's, you know, welcome to Port Perry. There might be a big garden there. And the Hort Association takes that on as as one of their jobs. Well, that's that's not my uh, plate to have to solve. Thank goodness. It's a big mess. What a horror. Yeah. Well, you know, so much money out there uh, and there's only so much to go around. But anyway, uh, again, not my problem. What is my problem is folks who call the show and ask two questions. No, 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 no. The mantra is <laughs> policeman proctor here, patrolman proctor, call early, call off, and one question per call. And we, Charlie and I, shall return in just moments. You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And the zoo chef Frank Proctor here asking the question, what has eyes but can't see? Potatoes, and that's what Joan is going to talk about from Port Perry. <laughs> Good morning, Joan. Good morning. Morning. Good morning, you two. Lovely day. It, it sure is. is. Another one. Mm-hmm. Um, my son-in-law has his vegetable garden in my garden, mm-hmm. and he planted some Yukon potatoes, mm-hmm. Yukon Gold, and they're doing very well. But they have sent up a shoot of looks like a bunch of green grapes, but they're shaped like a tomato. 
and they even have like a tomato stem on them. Mm-hmm. Now, what are they? Those are seeds. They're seeds. Yeah, yeah. They're, wow, they're big seeds. Well, no, inside. No, that, oh, inside. like you're just like a tomato. That yeah. round little fruit, yeah. if you open it up, is yeah. full of seeds, which are potato seeds. Yeah. Well, should we cut them off? I, I would, yeah, because you want what you're. You're not growing for flowers and seeds. You're growing for the tubers down below ground. Right. So uh, energy will go into forming flowers and seeds if you let it happen. Right. So, yeah, definitely cut it off. Well, I didn't, I hadn't, hadn't noticed them before, and he brought a little bunch into me, and he says, what are these? And I said, they look <laughs> like potatoes growing on the outside. Well, remember, potatoes and tomatoes are all the same family. That's why they look so similar. True, true. Yeah, so that, that's good, though. Yeah, so always, always think about what is it I'm growing this for, oh. and if it's not for what you're seeing, don't hesitate to remove it. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay, Joan. Hope you cut them off. Yep. Yep. Cut them off. Great. Thank be, you so be much. Be ruthless. That's Thank great. you. Charlie likes that when you're ruthless with the plants. Oh, Get you top, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> Doris in Oshawa calling this morning. Hi, Doris. Hi. Good morning. Morning. I'm phoning about the lily bug. Mm-hmm. Completely destroyed my lilies for this year. And I'm wondering what to do to prevent it happening next year. Well. I've wiped out the lilies, buds, flowers, the whole works. I know. They, once they start eating overnight, they can just decimate the entire plant. Yes, it does. Well, okay, so the main thing to remember is the lily leaf beetle will overwinter in the soil at the base where those lilies are. So you're right. Next spring, as soon as the little green shoots emerge, yes. the little lily leaf beetles are also starting to emerge yes. and getting all ready to start chewing. Um the, what I'd, I think probably if you want to spray something, people's best success has been using a product called, I was just saying deep, and neem oil, N-E-E-M oil. Again. Neem oil. So N as in Norway. N, yes. Two E's. Two E's. M as in mother. Yes. Neem oil. Neem oil. Yep. You can pick that up at any garden center. It will... My, it'll be somewhere where they've got all their various sprays, but it, neem oil is sold as a plant shine. Mm-hmm. It's not sold as an insecticide. I don't think it's registered for insecticidal mm-hmm. use. However, you follow the instructions, mix with water, and spray starting early in the spring. As soon as you see the little green lilies poke through the soil, mm-hmm. start spraying consistently, and your intention is to annihilate those lily leaf beetles before the population gets out of control. Okay. Okay. That's good. They've wiped them out for this year, so... I know. It's tough. The other thing is consider potentially taking your bulbs out of the ground and putting them in pots. That's well, another option. Well, I did option. that last year, but the, the pots, they didn't survive in the pots. Above ground, they won't. You'll have to bury the pots in the garden oh, for the winter, leaving the bulbs in the pots, mm-hmm. just bury them in the ground. Mm-hmm. Because oh. you're right, above ground is too cold. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you for calling. And you are listening to The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin here at AM740, Zoomer Radio. I'll tell you the truth, Charlie. This morning, I a very tough decision to make. I'm looking outside, and it's sunny, and it's already getting to be humid. I thought, you know, I can't wear, I can't wear the spandex and, and, the, <laughs> and the cape this morning as your cape crusader for the garden. So I'm... I'm uh, Wait, like, just a minute, I take my stuff up. I, I'm in my Speedo. Ah! <laughs> Would you stop? Well, oh, is it ever nice? Ah! The boys are free. Oh. <laughs> 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 Quick, come on, boys. <laughs> 
All right, we're being very silly. Yes. Frank is. Um, I'm doing exercise. Doing his exercises doing. My, because what he's leading into yeah. is how important it is to stay active <laughs> and pain free. Of course, he's giving me a, my eyes are in pain right now. That speedo is hurting, but um, my body feels good. My joints are all feeling nice and flexible, and that's because we take Sierrasil, which is a mineral supplement, keeps us limber, allows us to kickbox, be caped crusaders, garden play golf, whatever it is we may need to do and want to do, stay active, stay pain-free, consider Sierra Sil to help you with that. Give them a call. one joint 14 Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. Ah, out of the speedo, I'm back into my regular work clothes Thank here for the garden. goodness. Yes. And Peter <laughs> has been patiently waiting on the line there from Fergus. Good morning, Peter. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. I have uh, some uh, fruit trees, plums. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were blooming miracles. Mm. And after the bloom, didn't lose much. Okay. The trees are doing, the fruit was okay. But lately, now, last couple of weeks, when the fruit is almost quarter size mm-hmm. of the normal size, they're falling off. Yep. The plant is self-pruning or self... Um, it's, it's basically looking after the fact that there's too much fruit there. Yeah. It cannot all ripen to its full quality and sweetness. And plum trees are smarter than the average, and they don't even try. They just drop some of the fruit. Well, put this way, the way it looks like they've dropped down 99%. That's mm. what bugs me. Oh, okay. Well, are you, you are, you said it looks good, but you are doing the you're watering, for example, deep, slow watering of your trees with all the drought we've been experiencing, or, you know, dry we've been experiencing, because that'll make a difference as well. I believe they got too much water. Oh, really? Yeah, that's right, especially this season. Yeah. How, are you, why, are they in a low spot, or, oh, you're just thinking way back in the spring when it was raining all the time? Yeah. They did. We had an awful lot of water and an awful lot of high moisture levels and humidity, and we have a lot of fungal problems as a result of that. But now we've had very little rain for the last three weeks, three and a half weeks. Well, I got a friend in Burlington. He mm-hmm. had the same thing. Mm-hmm. He said everything falling off. Mm-hmm. It feels like everything's falling off, but it's not really everything. Well, should I say, <laughs> if I got a 1% of that, it's too much. Oh, well, you know what? The tree can't, can't bear that much fruit. And what will happen is the limbs will end up breaking because the fruit will be too heavy. The branches break. Is there any help to that? Uh, not that I know of. Let me, I, uh, let me see if I can uh, come up with anything else. Keep listening and we'll uh, see what we've got that might help sort of answer some of those questions. I just remember this question in the past. We call it the great plum fruit drop. (laughs) (laughs) It actually does happen very consistently almost every year in late June. June, That's the problem. Every year, yeah. Yep. It it occurs... Well, here I'm just reading here quickly. There's something... um, from where's this from it's a the fruit drop can occur for several reasons drought followed by a period of heavy rain or irrigation now you could have plum you don't have any evidence of insects do you no um so there's you know sort of different reasons why these these things happen insects can be a problem uh sorry i'm just flipping down here uh i just did a quick search here uh fruit plum plum fruit falls before ripening Fruit drop is normally a symptom of stress of some kind. So, you know, there's sort of that idea that the, the, the plant is under stress. And I personally would get out a soaker hose and I would soak your, your trees very slowly 
over a period of several hours, get some water. I'm not suggesting a big sprinkler throwing water around, but just right down at ground level, whether it's your hose on just a drip for the day or a soaker hose that'll ooze some water out around the drip line where the uh, roots that, are. That's a recipe for next year, huh? Well, no, even now. Even now, since we haven't had rain and you want to and alleviate the stress the tree is currently under and ripen some good fruit of what's left, do that to, to, do, to support that, the fruits that, that's still there. Otherwise, they'll just keep dropping. Okay. Thank okay. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you for you. calling. Okay, bye. Beautiful Bye-bye. part of the country, too. Fergus, I love the uh, the buildings there. Well, it is 925. We better scoot along to our next caller here at AM740, the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. And just in case you missed those phone numbers, 416-360-0740 for Toronto. And then anywhere else in the province, one 740 Next on the line is Eva in Mississauga. Good morning, Eva. Good morning. Morning. Thank you for taking my call. I, I have a, a question about aphids mm-hmm. on my mini roses that I'm growing in the solarium. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. Hello? Hi. Hi. So, yeah, so you've got aphids inside your, your solarium? Uh, in the mini roses. Yep. On one, just one plant. Just one. All right, so so it, I, the solarium obviously is an enclosed yes, it is. space that's inside your home. Mm-hmm. So the aphids came in on something. Oh, dear. Now, they could have come in just on your clothes. When you were walking around the garden, you could have picked up an aphid, and then it, they love roses. There's no question. Aphids love sweet things. <clears throat> roses tend to be very sweet. And aphids love new growth. So you'll always find the aphids on the tips of plants. When we had all that rain that our last caller was referring to, and all the growth was full of water and very, very lush and new, there was a lot of aphids on a lot of roses outside. So it's certainly possible that that's what's happened. What I would do is look at all your your plants carefully. If you only see evidence of aphids on the one plant, isolate that plant from the rest, take it right out of the solarium, perhaps put it in the bathroom, someplace where it's completely you know, quarantined. Mm-hmm. And it's not that hard to get rid of aphids. You can use a soapy solution, you know, mix up your own soap and water, right. 40 to 1 water to soap. Or you now, what can kind of soap, Charlie? Not detergent. Me. Okay, yeah. Liquid soap, not detergent. Uh, you can literally, you know, wash them off, give the plant a, a good thorough wash with the soapy solution, but also kill the aphids along the way. Okay. You will need to hold that plant in isolation for a good seven to ten days just in case there's eggs on the plant that hatch. So you keep looking every day. If necessary, you spray again. Um, or you can buy a pre-mixed soap solution. You know, it's something yeah, like... Yeah, the safers. That's right. Safers or, or Scott's has, I think they have a Bug Be Gone or a soap solution, which is all ready to go for you in a, in a spritzer bottle. And just, again, read the instructions. I find soap works really, really well on aphids. The main thing is, is never spray soap outside on your plants at high noon in the sun. The, okay. It's very hard on the plants. So they'll burn the plants. So okay. keep them in the shade if you're spraying and try to spray early in the day or late in the day. Okay. Uh, I have a um, suggestion. You were talking about neem oil. Yes. Um, neem soap is available in the Indian grocery stores. Oh, really? So maybe they might carry neem oil or maybe the soap could be used. That's right. And is it a liquid soap or a bar soap? No, it's a bar soap. Bar soap. Hmm. So you'd have to, um, you know solubilize it, you know, soak it in water, the bar soap. But you're right, if there's real neem oil in the neem soap, it might actually be a a good thing. It might do double duty on on killing those those lily leaf beetles. Good suggestion. Yes, thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. 
We welcome any helpful hand we can get here. Yes, we do. <laughs> Garden show. Uh, Charlie Dobbin, of course, master gardener, and she's been out busy in, in gardens this past week. But as well, she is today, my friends, I, I thought when you started the show, you said, I've got some announcements to make. I thought you were going to flip your foot up on top of the desk and <laughs> show me those wildly green toenails that you've painted. Wow. Nice, eh? They really are. It's, it's like emeralds on your feet. Well, I, I think yeah. I did this. I was thinking about Landscape Ontario. One of the the, um, the motto for Landscape Ontario is green for life. Well, there you go. So are. I thought, I'll just, I'll just, you know, I'll be Landscape Ontario, <laughs> green for life. Well, you, My, see, you can, they can see you coming from a block away with those toenails. Glow in the I'm dark toes. Yeah. <laughs> we have a guest. We do, we do. Very special guest joining us today, Joni Vander Hayden. She is the plant documentation coordinator for the Royal Botanical Gardens in the Horticulture Department. And she's going to tell us all about edible landscapes and so, uh, and particularly concentrate on the nine garden showcases dubbed the Veggie Village. Ah. Good morning, Jody. Good morning, Charlie. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good. This is Frank. Hi, Jody. Hi, Frank. <laughs> nice to meet you. You too. All right, so tell us a little bit about, so first tell us what your job is. You, you told me a little bit, you, you keep track of the plants. That's exactly right. So I am responsible for mapping, labeling, and databasing all of the plants. But one of the funner projects that I got involved in this year was the veggie garden. So I was involved in the planning of that garden as well as the planting and all the way through to the part of the interpretation and then the promotion too. <clears throat> Excellent. And are the veggie, is the Veggie Village new this year? No, actually, it was open last year, mm-hmm. but we had kind of a late start, so uh-huh. we planted it sort of this time of year last year, but luckily uh-huh. there wasn't such a drought last year, so right. it they- went fairly well, but uh, September we opened it to the public last year. Oh, okay. so we didn't really have a full season, so this is our first full season with, with the Veggie Garden open. And how are the veggies doing? The veggies are thirsty, like everyone's garden. I was going to say, are you guys, do you have irrigation or do you hand water? What do you do? A little bit of both, actually. Yeah. We do have irrigation in that garden, but some of the container plots need to be watered by hand. And it's just a constant battle with the, the drought we've had in the last couple of weeks. I know, it's really hard. And that, good point, I mean, you're sure not going to get any crop from your veggies if you don't keep the water consistently on the vegetables. And That's, we have a lot of lettuce in that garden, so we're trying to prevent it from bolting too quickly. Yeah, in the heat and the dry. That's my, my lettuce is getting a bit bitter, my, my mezcal mix. Do you, have, yeah. do you have any Boston lettuce there? Jody? I love Boston lettuce. Don't have any Boston lettuce. Son of a gun, we'll have uh, to get some plant. We have <laughs> some red lettuce that is called uh, Anopolis, the cultivar Anopolis, and it's mm-hmm. the most brilliant red lettuce I've ever seen. It's so ornamental, I can't even believe it. It's beautiful. Wow. So it's redder than the, the one called Red Sails that we've grown for all those years? Yes, it's it's like a, almost a maroon color. It's mm. really, really nice. So, so you've got vegetables growing that are ornamental as well as practical. That's right. So there's nine different display gardens in the Veggie Village, Mm -hmm. all the size of a backyard garden plot. And the basic idea is to show anyone and everyone that they can grow local and eat local no matter what kind of space they have in their backyard. Mm -hmm. So we have a heritage vegetable garden, kind of the whole idea of mixing in annuals, marigolds, nasturtiums, that sort of thing into your garden, an old-fashioned style with old-fashioned cultivars. We have an Asian vegetable garden, so growing some really neat things like bitter melon and okra and soybeans. We have an urban chic garden. Basically, the idea is that if you have a 
a front yard. That's the only space you have to garden. You can make it beautiful. So that's where all those ornamental cultivars are. Urban chic. You call that urban Urban chic. I love that name. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) That's silver edging and just kind of a stylized vegetable planting. So, and again, some ornamentals mixed in. So like the silver edging, is that with, say, um, you know, Dusty Miller? Or would that be more something like Artemisia or something? Actually, a hardscape. So oh, actual hardscape silver edging. Neat. We also have aluminum stakes that are kind of twirly and silver ornamental. Hmm. And the vegetables are, are different, too. We have a white eggplant in that garden and the cauliflower cultivar called cheddar. Yeah. Is orange. Orange. So, Love it. Yeah, it's coming along later in the season. I think it'll be really eye-popping. I'm going to come and see that one, I think. Take pictures of that one. <laughs> Definitely. All right. So you've got so Asian Urban Chic Heritage. That's three of the nine. Yes. We have a lettuce parterre. It's all lettuce, all different kinds of lettuce in a stylized, sort of a formal planting. Mm-hmm. We have a herb garden. Mm-hmm. Our feature garden this year is called Plant Parts. And what that is talking about is the different parts of the plant that we eat. So there's a little section for roots, for seeds, for leaves, and for fruits of the plant. Oh. Kind of botanizing vegetables for the plant geeks out there. That's your brainchild, I bet. Yeah, it is. <laughs> plant, the plant parts garden. But it's good because a lot of times, you know, people don't really kind of think it through. Like, you know, what am I trying to grow here? Like, what fertilizer should I be giving based on what I'm trying to grow? Whether it's the leaves or the roots or the flowers or the fruits, right? It's an important part of growing vegetables. Yeah. Jody, if I were to come out there, uh, would I be taken kind of on a tour or could I talk to people uh, and they'd explain what's going on? Well, we have a couple things going on. There is This year we've added cell phone tours. So you can look at our interpretive panels and then dial a 1-800 number. Oh, very good. And then you'll get a kind of a personal tour on your cell phone. Hey, that's cool. It is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good use of technology. We also have discovery carts that will be out for the month of August in Veggie Village, and we, we have a whole bunch of fun weekends planned, so there'll be interpreters out there talking about vegetables. All through August, we have different um, kind of festivals, small mini festivals going on, so chili pepper weekend, tomato and salsa weekend, garlic weekend. So there'll be a lot going on in Veggie Village in, in the month of August. And it's all based on being um, educational, so that people are there to ask questions and get answers. And, and see, you know, solutions to problems. Okay, now you didn't, there's one more before Frank asked his question. There's another couple of gardens there that you've got that are concentrating on container gardening, right? That's right. The last three gardens are all container gardens, three different styles. So one is a very formal deck planting with raised beds. They're, they're large enough that you can actually even overwinter some of the perennial vegetables in them. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a small patio garden, if you had sort of like a condo space or an apartment, just... 15 different containers with different vegetables suited to growing in a container. Frank's then, listening to this because he ha- he's in an apartment. <laughs> with I'm in about, an apartment, yes. Yep, this is right up his alley. <laughs> so that's a good one. So 15 different containers with 15 different plants or vegetables in them. Yes. Oh, good. Yeah, okay. And the third one is, Brilliant. I like to call it the hippie, hippie garden, and it's basically very inexpensive just kind of thrown together sort of garden. There's a vegetables growing in a rubber tire and a boot. Just sort of like a leftovers garden, just if you didn't have any. That's my kind of thing. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, the hippie garden. I'm going for the hippie garden. <laughs> no, no toilet uh, with a garden growing out of it. Not this year, but I really want to get one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we could get one for you. <laughs> Seen that a few times, but it, that's that idea of recycling, reusing, exactly, repurposing. <laughs> exactly. 
doesn't have to be expensive. No. And so tell me, with like for the lettuce garden, for example, don't you have like bunny rabbits all lined up, uh, chowing down every night in there? <laughs> Last year we were really lucky. I think it took them a while to figure out it was there. This year we've had some groundhog issues. Uh-huh. But... Um, I think the gardeners chase them away during the day, and we've we've just been pretty lucky, yeah. to be honest. We haven't had to do a lot of to control them, but it is fenced on all four sides. Right. I'm, there are gaps that they can get in, but I think that that might be helping a little bit. Well, I think activity helps. If there's lots of people yeah. around, there's workers, there's public, there's you know action. The animals don't get used to hanging out there. It's true, and with the irrigation running in the morning, early in the morning, I think. I think it's helping. We've just really been lucky. <laughs> That's good. Well, yeah, I just I had this image of, you know, lettuce, and, you know, Peter Cottontail and the family just sitting there with their buckets in hand ready to go. <laughs> yeah, I haven't written it off yet. Maybe we'll see it later. <laughs> so so tell me, um, where is the Veggie Village? RPG is a huge garden. Yeah. So I'm a visitor. I want to just go directly to that Veggie Village. Where do I go? You come to the main building, mm-hmm. which is 680 Plains Road West, and... Basically, go into the building, and then you can actually go down and walk underneath the tunnel, which will take you underneath Plains Road. Mm-hmm. And you just come up on the other side, and it's right there, just to your right, not very far at all. And it's really easy to find because it has a fence all the way around the garden, which you can actually see from Plains Road. So oh, okay. It's one of the easier things to find. So it's I've front seen. and center there and very accessible, like you say. It's something that yeah. anybody can get to Absolutely. in whatever conveyance they're, they're traveling with. Not that you can drive there, but certainly it is all wheelchair accessible and stroller accessible with children and stuff. Yes, there's and an elevator that takes you down to the tunnel level, so it's definitely accessible. I remember there was like acres of roses there uh, t- 10, 20 years ago. Yes, well, there are still roses at the garden, and we've actually just finished our rose festival. Okay. Uh, but there's so much going on in Hendry Park that we call it Hendry Park so that people don't think it's just roses. Right. Good idea. Now, just before we go, so you've mentioned that there's the cell phone access to information when Frank asked, plus you've got mm-hmm. lots of written mm-hmm. word. Um, there's also good information on your website. There's a whole, You guys have a whole a YouTube channel. Yes, we do. And there is a video on there about Veggie Village that people can watch. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Okay. And the, the website's simple, www.rbg.ca. That's right. And everything is there. And it's, it's very, I like your website. It's, I found it very easy to, to navigate through. Um, I would encourage people to, when they go on the website, take our pledge too. We're that's right. Just get people inspired about Veggie Garden and asking people to pledge that they'll use locally grown produce and at least one meal a week for a year. And we just have this really fancy carrot that we're trying to fill up with pledges. And the carrot goes up to 2000 and we're right now at 1100 Oh, well, hey, better than halfway. That's there good. There you go. So yeah. take the pledge to eat one, at least one locally grown vegetable weekly. That's right, for a oh, year. Oh, that's easy, yeah, I would think. It <laughs> should be easy. In the winter, you can pull that off. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, that's that onions and potatoes uh, thing, right? <laughs> Well, this is great, Jody. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Told us so much about what's going on. I want to come and see that urban sheet garden, and Frank's going to want to come and take notes about container gardening. Absolutely, that sounds like a great idea, Jody. All right. There, give me a call. All right, we will for sure. Thanks, Jody. Great. Bye bye.
Well, yeah. that was really interesting. Isn't I it, mean, though? It sounds like a, a terrific spot to visit. Just one section of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, RBG's huge. Yeah. But yeah. but I think what's neat is that it, it felt like it was kind of stagnant. It wasn't really much going mm-hmm. on different for many, many years. And then all of a sudden, you know, a real spark happened for probably a multitude of reasons about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I really feel like Royal Botanical Gardens is doing some good things. They've got some really good educational programs, which is partly what it's all about, right? Very good. Yeah. Okay, we have folks waiting on the line to talk. Talk to you, Charlie. Ask their questions. As a matter of fact, we'll be uh, back to say hi to Peter in Brampton in just a couple of moments. There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scott's. And our time is 9.43 as we go back to our lines and our callers. Peter in Brampton. Hi there and welcome to the show. Hello. Morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? Great. Great. Good. <laughs> A couple of years uh, ago, we had a uh, crab apple tree mm-hmm. that uh, was diseased and full of fungus, and we took it down. Mm-hmm. And we took out the stump as well. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we've replaced it with a spruce tree, but um, what we're finding is we're getting uh, hundreds of little shoots from around, I guess, where the roots would have been for that crab apple tree, and we can't seem to get rid of them. Hmm. And the spruce is growing fine? Spruce seems to be growing really well, yeah. Okay. So I think you're absolutely right. Though you took out the stump, lots of roots were left behind. Yep. And it seemed like a really diseased, not very happy, healthy crab apple, but clearly it had more vigor than you realized because that's what those little suckers are, are suckering off the root, right? I would presume, yeah. And as soon as they get a little bit of sunlight, like that's the trick with suckers. As soon as they get above ground, get a little bit of sunlight, they get a little photosynthesis going on, they take off. And that's, is it lawn? Is it the situation where you're constantly mowing and constantly cutting them down with the lawnmower? Or? Exactly. And we're, we're, we've been using uh, Weed Be Gone, mm-hmm. but uh, it's, you know, they're, they're gone in, in about three or four days, and then the next day, another hundred are back up. Back oh, up. Wow. Wow. Maybe not a hundred, but another twenty feet yeah, back yeah. up. And so, of course, the the see, so by by cutting the the heads off, if you will, with the lawnmower, over a period of time, eventually they're going to disappear. They're going to stop. Also, eventually the roots are all going to deteriorate and decompose, and there'll be no life left in them to right. send up suckers. But as long as they can send up the suckers, get a little bit of sunlight, it you know rejuvenates the whole thing, and more root grows. Yeah. So it is a bit of a challenge, other than to just keep on mowing as you're doing. I mean, the other thing would be to dig, or oh, how about compost? Do you do any composting? No, not really. I'm just wondering, okay, lawn. Um, like the one thing we can do to really kind of speed up the decomposition of the roots below ground is feed uh, that area, that soil and that grass and lawn and spruce and everything with uh, very sort of live compost, which is full of bacteria and microorganisms that are in there breaking down the compost and, of course, will filter down through the soil, find the roots, and break those down even faster than they will in a, in a more sterile soil. So I'm just wondering if it might be worth considering top dressing your lawn this fall or next spring with a, with a good, you know, good quality, could be good quality triple mix, but bottom line is a good composted uh, uh, soil amendment. Okay, good. That might be a way just to speed up that, that process. 
Uh, we aerated this year too. Good, but which, uh, which seems to have have made uh, more more of the shoots appear. I was going to say, really good for the lawn and good for the spruce, but good for the crab apple too, <laughs> <laughs> because you've opened up pores in the soil. Moisture has been able to get down. Nutrients been able to get down, and of course the the crab has kind of taken yeah, off. Yeah, Peter, in, in my mind, I'm trying to catch a picture here of uh, of where the tree was. Mm-hmm. And you've replaced it, and so how far out from the center point are these? Uh, little saplings coming up? Probably within a uh, two or three foot radius. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's not, not e- very extensive then. No, not very extensive. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, quite a bit of growth right in, that, right in the area where the, uh, where the original yeah. stump was. Yeah, which tells you that there's some very active live root in that area. I mean, so I mean, the other thing is if you really wanted to is just dig, dig down and get that root out. Right, T- wow. turn it into a you know weekend. I think out most of the lawn. Would you? Yeah. yeah. Or a lot of the lawn anyway. We're, yeah, exactly. And then you have to go back and level everything and put the lawn back in. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, ultimately, it they will die as long as you can just keep you know keep chopping off their heads. The crab apples will not grow, and eventually the roots will decompose enough that the the whole thing will stop growing. What was it, a triple mix? Well, triple mix, of course, is a mix of the the three important components, topsoil, peat moss, and manure. Okay. Balanced into, and and the operative word here is good quality. Yeah. So that it's a composted triple mix. It's, it's, you know, made by a reputable company or you have a truckload delivered, again, from a reputable company. You don't want weeds. You want good soil. And the re- and then you would add about a half an inch to your entire lawn and, you know, beneath the spruce, etc. cetera. Uh, and that whole top dressing will invigorate the spruce and the lawn. You want to sort of outpace the crab apple and you want those roots to decompose as quickly as possible possible. Okay, good. All right. Thank Thanks you for calling, much. Peter. Good, good luck with that. Really yeah, an inter- interesting question coming in there. And That's we good, have eh? uh, other callers on the line here. Yes, indeed. Helen in Hamilton. Nice little alliteration there. Good morning, Helen. Welcome to the show. <laughs> oh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Hello, I Helen. Show. I think you two are just great. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Uh, I'm calling from my daughter. She's working today. Mm-hmm. I told her I'd try to find out for her mm-hmm. uh, what she can do with her uh, Alberta spruce. Mm-hmm. She has two of them, and they're cone-shaped. Mm-hmm. They're very, very full. Mm-hmm. But when you pull them apart, it's all brown inside. Mm-hmm. And she fertilizes it, and it looks healthy on the outside. Right. And What can she do to keep it from <clears throat> from going brown? Well, actually, what's going on is very natural and normal. The way dwarf Alberta spruce grows is very, very dense. Yes. So as you say, it's beautiful and full and either green or greenish blue all on the the outside of the plant. Now, the trick is don't pull it apart. You know, you don't want to see what's inside there. But to to maximize the health of the plant, tell your daughter to put on some gloves, some, you know, good sort of working gloves mm-hmm. and comb the plant. So comb from it. yeah, comb it just with her fingers. So from oh, the I bottom, see. stick your fingers in at the bottom and then run your fingers up through the plant all the way around, go around the plants, and all those little brown needles will drop to the ground. They're just kind of stuck in there because it's so dense. They can't fall through. And um, lack of light, lack of air circulation is what causes those needles to turn brown in the first place. But, of course, all the new growth is on the outside, so we don't really see all that the dead needles on the inside. Mm -hmm. But by combing them out, now she'll never get them all out, Mm -hmm. but even if she can get, you know, a good chunk of them out, all of a sudden now a little air, a little circulation, a little sunlight, that some there will be some better growth, healthier growth happening 
happening on the inside. Oh. Ultimately, though, the way they do grow is just as you see it, all beautiful and thick and dense all right. around the outside. That's okay. it. That's the way they grow. And we don't typically prune them or trim them because they grow so slowly that we just let them put on their quarter of an inch of growth every year. And as long as it's nice and balanced, we don't worry about them. Okay, then, Charlie. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Right. Thank you for joining the show. We appreciate it. Uh, all the callers. Boy, it's been a wide section of uh, area we've been covering. It has, as and usual. We will continue, but we have to cover off one little thing. I was going to say. Some of our other sponsors. <laughs> yes, and I'm starting to do my exercises right now. You're just like a, a never-ending guy. Speedo. <laughs> I'm covering my eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see. <laughs> okay, so remember, minerals are your garden's friend, and they're good for you too. Sierra Sil is a natural mineral formula. It's proven to be effective against aches and stiffness. It makes gardening and other activity and chores a whole lot easier to do. You can give everybody a call at Sierra Sill. They're there waiting for your calls, answer any of your questions, give you all the information you might wish to hear. one 877 14 You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And I'm the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Nice to be here. And John is on the line from Mississauga. Good morning, John. Good morning. Morning. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Um, I have a question. Uh, I think I talked to you a few uh, few weeks ago mm-hmm. um, regarding my fruit trees. Um, I was away for five weeks. I was in Europe for five weeks, and uh, when I came back, mm-hmm. um, I have three different type of uh, pear trees. Uh-huh. All right. All the fruit are gone, oh. and it was loaded, um, and the leaves. The leaves are, you know, I'm mean, getting rot, uh, brownish, yeah. and, and they're falling. And I never had this experience in, in 35 years that I've been, uh, you know, uh, taking care of fruits. Right. Um, I went to a nursery. I don't want to mention which. But anyway, I went to a nursery, uh-huh. and I bought what you've told me, like I said, a few, few, few weeks ago or a few months ago, uh-huh. Bordeaux. Yes. Um, now... Charlie, if I may ask, is, now, is this Bordeaux good for sort of for the apples, for the uh, peaches and nectarine and all that? Uh, it should be very clear on the label, but as far as I recall, yes, you can use Bordeaux on any of the fruit trees. But just to be clear, John, what's going on with your pears, I think, is uh, the unprecedented amount of rainfall we had in the spring uh-huh. meant we had huge levels of fungal diseases probably what's going on with your pears when you're looking at all the brown and you've probably even seen kind of rusty or orange colored spots on the leaves of your pear trees. Uh-huh. It, there are many rust diseases and many fungal diseases, like I say, particularly on the fruit trees. And um, the problem with Bordeaux or any of the fungicides is that they are all designed to help prevent fungal problems uh-huh. as opposed to curing or eradicating fungus. Uh-huh. So at this time, at this point, and particularly with this heat, I'd be very, very careful about spraying anything on my fruit trees. Uh, You don't want to do any spraying of any, even soapy water, when it's 30, 40 degrees out. It's very, very hard on the plants. (laughs) Funny enough, I sprayed this week, I sprayed 
I sprayed Wednesday morning. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. As long morning helps. And then did you wash them off with water afterwards? No, I did not. Okay. So I would do that at some point soon. Uh, and just be, yeah, the morning, you're right. If you're going to spray, you do it early in the day, preferably like, you know, six, seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's so, what I do, yeah. Yeah, so the plants can be nice and dry before, you know, win, before winter, before nightfall. Uh-huh. But obviously you don't want that intense, hot, hot sun beating down on the leaves when you're spraying. Mm-hmm. The trick with Bordeaux or any of the fungicides now is to try and stop the spread of the disease. Like I say, you will not eliminate. Probably what you're finding is there's some defoliation. Some of the leaves are dropping. Oh, yes, quite a bit. Yeah, so that's... And the the trick with fungal diseases is we have to try and eliminate the source of the spores. So getting out your rake and raking up any of the, the fallen fruit and the fallen leaves yes. and bagging that stuff and getting it off the property is important just to avoid the, the continuation of the disease either for the rest of this year or even next spring. So, so yeah, so it does. Like I said, uh, so I should stop spraying now because, like I said, I have my apples. Mm-hmm. Uh, my apples are beautiful. I mean, I have so much roots. Actually, I have to thin them. Yes, good idea. Or shake them or whatever. Yeah. Because some of them I can't even reach. Right. So what shall I spray uh, the apple trees then? Well, Charlie, yeah, you will. It's all weather dependent. We are, right now it's been dry, so there's no hasn't been a lot of <clears throat> reinfection or spreading of any kind of fungal infections uh-huh. at in the dry weather. However, we are looking at thunderstorms. Uh, in the forecast for, mon- for Monday and Tuesday. Uh-huh. So in preparation for those thunderstorms to protect the plants from getting any spores on currently healthy tissue, yes, it is appropriate to spray prior to a big rainfall. Mm-hmm. So that's what you might want to consider with your apples, with your pears. I probably wouldn't worry too much about them right now. I'd let them be, yeah. other than to spray, to just try and hold onto the foliage as long as you can. You're not going to get any fruit by the sounds of it this year. No, no, no. There's none. There's yeah. None. So, but you want, you know, the, the trick is you want the plants to be healthy for next year. So... Yeah. Spray before a rain event, uh-huh. okay, so that's like 24 hours before we expect rain. It's appropriate to spray as per directions on the packages. Uh-huh. Uh, next, either this fall or this fall and next spring, get your dormant spray out and be yeah. spraying with your oil and your lime sulfur yeah. on your fruit trees. And Yeah, and other than that, um, next year's another year. Keep off and go cross, huh? Exactly. <laughs> and good garden hygiene. Just remember thank, to keep cleaning stuff up. Thank you very up. much, Ali. You're very welcome. Week. You Bye-bye. too. Bye-bye now. Thank you for calling the Charlie Dobbin. <laughs> Garden Show, which is rapidly coming to a close here. Um, you wanted to address one little point there yes. with lilies in mind, I believe. No, darling, it wasn't lilies. We what, did no? our lily show. I oh, wanted no, to no. mention that that word. You, as soon as I said it, you went, oh, no, the C-N-E. Oh, every time, I, the first time I hear C-N-E, I know summer's almost over. Okay, it's not over yet. Okay. Canadian National <laughs> Exhibition. <laughs> yeah. I just said the words. Uh, I know. Whenever it does, you feel like it's August already as soon as I say that. But it's not. The CNE every year has a horticulture competition, all right? So for those of you that like to compete and like to win money and ribbons, anybody can, can compete at the horticulture competition. It's pretty neat. It's open to absolutely everybody. Now, to see the schedule of what the competitions are, because it's very defined, what you're, you know, it could be an African violet, it could be a, um, you know... Largest pumpkin. A chefleur. Well, it won't be pumpkins in August, but you're right, there was a whole vegetable competition, yeah. there's a houseplant competition, there is a floral design competition. So it's a big, it's, it's actually, I'm trying to remember, it's like the biggest competition in Canada, I think, a wow. horticultural competition. Bottom line, it's all online. So go to 
Where do you go to? You go to thex.com, right? One word, thex.com. Once you're there, go to concerts and events, click on that, drop down to competitions, and it comes up with all this, you know, Canadian Idol stuff, and keep dropping down through all that, get past all that Idol junk, you'll get to flower and vegetable categories. (laughs) And there you are. There's your, your whole schedule. It's $1 per entry, and it's it's amazing. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. So do it now. Do it soon. You can't wait till the last minute to get involved in that competition. Okay. My friend, uh, it's been a ball this morning, as usual. As usual. Thank you so much for all your wonderful comic relief. I always appreciate David you. David Gaskin, thank you. He's the best. Producer. Yes, indeed. And the boys are in for Dave's Corner Garage, they all are. set to rock and roll. They sure are. And, uh, look we... at them. They're going. They're going. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to bomb out of here into the sunshine. Oh, my God, what a day it's going to be. Anybody that's got vacation right now. I was just going to say, that's a nice segue. And where yes. are you going, Frank? Gee, uh, actually, we're, we're heading off to Lake on the Mountain uh, oh, by Picton. Oh, wow. And, uh, our For two weeks. Yes, just oh. going to be looking forward to it. We're going to miss much. you. Well, bless your little heart. But Robbie Lane will be in here exactly. to take care of this. And he'll be doing his best to be the best sous chef, but nobody's well, as good as you. you know, it's it's a long process. Uh, I had to study a long time. You process. sure did. <laughs> Have a great holiday. Okay. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.